Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? Good. I'm feeling um, a wee bit proud of myself. I, for the second day in a row, I've run three nonstop miles. Well, yesterday I ran three and a half nonstop miles, which is a big deal for me after my bulging disc for a year. So, and then I remembered that Brittany, my you know personal trainer, had said that it's important to occasionally push distance or push pace. So I yesterday I pushed the distance a little. So today I uh, put on some Betty Who music and dug a little deeper and ran my first sub ten minute mile in more than a year. So nice, yes, I very was, good. Yes, I was very excited because I tell you, man, coming back to this running thing, it is challenging and. My endurance was just in the pooper. It was not there when I started trying to come back from it. So, um, so to be able to push it a little uh, felt very good. Yeah, good. Well, yes. you you know, just let go of the expectations and remember, you are a blank slate. Mm. So, just yeah, I find like when people come back to running, they're always comparing who they are now to who they were, mm-hmm. and and it's just not a very helpful comparison. So just celebrate each milestone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just take it one mile at a time. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that is that is my plan. Yes. So and my heart nearly exploded with pride last Friday night over something my son John did. So if people indulge me a little to share the story of him at his pre-professional dance company called the Jefferson Dancers went to the National High School Dance Festival in Pittsburgh, PA. And so they had John plus two other dancers, all seniors had submitted student choreographed pieces. And there were 200 submissions, and 11 of them were chosen, including John and one of his compadres. And so they had a showcase of the pieces, and they were judged on the choreography, on the performance, on the how the choreographer interacted with the dancers at the tech rehearsal. The judges, seven of them, interviewed each choreographer to find out kind of the motivation and the process of the choreographers. And... John won first place. He was the winner out of the whole thing. And it was perhaps, it is definitely one of the top three biggest thrills of my life. And uh, I was filled with utter joy and pride and love. And oh my goodness, it was, oh gosh, it was very, very, very exciting. It is. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yes. And and it was a unanimous decision among all seven judges. So, wow. and and then his buddy Eli, his piece uh, won an honorable mention. It was the first time one school had ever had two submissions in the showcase. And the first time, obviously, then that two pieces from the same school had won awards. So it was a pretty, pretty big deal. Yes, yes. So and afterwards, John and I just hugged and cried in each other's arms after in the lobby. (laughs) (laughs) So I have been on a high ever since. It's uh, just really, really thrilling. It's amazing, amazing what what your kids can do, and and uh, you know. <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet, but I'll take your word on it. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, your kids up to anything exciting? No, the the kids the kids are the kids, you know, and every day is a journey with them. Uh, <laughs> the oldest one doesn't like school, and oh. The girl is uh the the girl is is the good one. You know, mm-hmm. she she kind of just holds her own and then the little guy's always got some sort of emotional dramatic issue <laughs> in his head. <laughs> he's he's an overthinker. But uh no, he's good. But here's here's something my husband did uh-huh. yesterday. He he takes the award for the biggest mess ever created in our family history. So <laughs> I, I hope I set that up well. So I was, I was in my office yesterday afternoon working and all of a sudden I hear a ruckus mm-hmm. coming from the laundry room along with a flurry of curse words. <laughs> so I, I get up and I go in there and my husband is picking rice out of his hair and there is so much rice on the laundry room floor that he could have laid down and made like a rice angel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I know you so like snow I, angels. Yeah. <laughs> I just said, 
I, how, you know, how, not even why yet, just how. Well, he had a 25 pound bag of rice that he had gotten at Costco. He loves Costco. And he was trying to lift it above his head and put it on top of a cabinet. When the clip came off, he had clipped it because we had taken one cup out for dinner. And and there had to be 12 pounds of rice on the laundry room floor. And and my my oldest son comes in. He loves to vacuum. So he gets the shop vac. And my husband's just standing there pulling rice out of his pants. (laughs) And I just thought, I'm just glad it wasn't me or the kids. So I... I have no skin in this game right now. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> but there's currently, there's still rice everywhere. Oh, Liz, you're going to find rice 10 years from now. No doubt. I know. <laughs> no I know. doubt. Someone's going to move in and think like, what's with all the rice in the laundry room and the closets? <laughs> oh, my so. goodness. So, well, at least the whole bag didn't spill. Maybe there's some salvageable. Still 12 still- pounds yeah, left right. and another 12 in the shop bag. <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, geez. Well, I love that your son likes to uh, vacuum. That's a positive trait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's. I, I think he has, he actually has said he wants to go into a career in, what is it, HVAC? You oh, know, like the- Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Right, like the heating, cooling, air conditioning, vacuuming type mm-hmm. of central- mm-hmm. That's his thing. So, hey. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice. Yeah. We need more yeah. people in the trade. So, um, right? yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, today's topic is don't let cancer steal your joy. And our guests are two mother runners who were diagnosed with cancer in 2022. And, you know, given that we never know what curveballs life might throw our way, including, you know, a raining down rice. rice. rice, Yes. Um, (laughs) I want to talk to these gals about how they're dealing and coming back swinging. Our first guest is Allison Taylor, a marketing strategist and mother of four adult-age kids, plus a grandma of two. Allison lives in South Jordan, Utah. Last year, she was diagnosed with salivary gland cancer. It's actually the same type that pro runner Gabe Grunewald had. And as a result, Allison had eight inches of bone in her right leg removed to become her new right upper jaw. Allison has been a part of the Another Mother Runner community for ages, so I'm delighted to be talking with her. So welcome, 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 Allison. It's good to talk with you. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. So before we jump in, you and I need to share a reminiscence or two about the run that you and I went on together in Connecticut, probably a decade or more ago. 2012. Look at you knowing. All right. So so as I recall, we were both visiting family out there, and it was so unbelievably humid. (laughs) Yes. And the thing that really blew my mind was that you survived that run with your... Mormon undergarments, and I apologize if that's not the right thing to call them, underneath your running clothes. Yes. Yeah, that, that, I was impressed beyond belief. Yeah, I just, you know, different uh, women of my faith will wear or not wear theirs running, and I've just always chosen to wear mine running. And yeah, humidity when you live in Utah, as I do, and it's dry 99 days out of 100, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. a big deal, but. Yeah, the humid weather definitely challenges that notion. But yeah. yes, that was an extraordinarily sticky day. It sure was, but it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, but but there was a lot of sweat going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, Allison, tell us a little bit about your background in running. Well, I would say I was a reluctant runner when I was growing up. I had a, I have a sister who was a nationally ranked track and field athlete, and my father played football in college and was very interested in having successful, athletically successful children. And I was always just the side of mediocre. So I was not fast. I didn't love running. And I, I, as I like to say, I threw things. So I did discus shot put. And then I tried doing javelin when I was in my twenties. So no running for me. Pretty much. I mean, I would get goaded into it by my dad, but he died in 1987. So around uh, 2008, I heard about Couch to 5K. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'd like to run a 5K. You know, I'm not a runner, but I'd like to run a 5K. And it took me over a year of doing Couch to 5K repeatedly to be able to actually run 5K without stopping. 
And then someone said, well, if you do a 5K, you can do a 10K. And I said, oh, my gosh, I want to do the Boulder Boulder because I want to finish in the stadium with all those people there, and that sounds so fun. And then, so I did that. It wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. It's a good race, but it, it, it wasn't the same feeling. And then uh, I was introduced to another mother runner, and I got mm-hmm. very motivated. And somewhere in the middle of reading the first book and my running shoe store, they said, well, if you can run a 10K, you can do a Ragnar. Mm. And then I went back for another pair of shoes, and they said, well, if you can do a Ragnar, you can do a half marathon. <laughs> And people, so pushy these people. Wow. <laughs> and then in my first half marathon, they had an Athena division, mm-hmm. and I was second in the forty plus Athena division. Well and done. my prize was an entry to the next year's race. And I said, "Well, I guess I'm doing a second half marathon." <laughs> so since my first one in 2011, I have done. 20 half marathons mm. and one wow. full marathon. I ran Boston in 2017 That's as right. a fundraiser. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. So share with us a little bit about your cancer diagnosis and treatment. Well, I actually, I had to back up just a tiny bit. So my husband, mm-hmm. uh, not long after my triumphant phenomenal, amazing experience of running Boston as a fundraiser. Three weeks after I broke a bone in my foot and didn't know if I'd be able to run at all, I was a fundraiser for the American Liver Foundation. And four months later, found that my husband had rectal cancer that had spread to his liver. And so our joke became that I pre-fundraised for him. (laughs) Anyway, so endured a year of, of his treatments as primary caregiver while he was working and I was working. And I honestly don't know how we got through it. We still had two kids at home. They were teenagers and, and it was hard. And then he has been thankfully uh, no evidence of disease for four and a half years. But you know, every time you have scans, you have what we call scanxiety. And so cancer has been part of my life since October, 2017. Mm -hmm. And then in May of 2021, my son, who was 21, almost 21 at the time, was diagnosed with stage one testicular cancer. Oh. So went through it all again. And mm-hmm. so the very last thing that crossed my mind um, in April of 2022 was that this these weird choking episodes that I was having was going to have anything to do with cancer. I thought, well, I have a tooth abscess. Or something. And I went to a series of, of doctors over a two-week time period, and they said, well, we need to biopsy that thing on the roof of your mouth that I thought was a blister from drinking too hot of hot chocolate. Mm. And I found out that I'm one of the approximately 400 to 500 people a year who are diagnosed with minor salivary gland cancer, and specifically adenoid cystic carcinoma, which is the same one as Brave Light Game. Mm-hmm. And it's an orphan cancer. It's a weird cancer. And mine had spread extensively throughout my head and neck. Mm. I had an 11 and a half hour surgery on June 30th of 2022, mm-hmm. where, you know, the body's an amazing thing. Um, I did run a half marathon two weeks before because I wanted to make sure I had one half marathon in 2022. Oh my gosh. And it was hard, but I had a friend who is a cancer survivor, shout out to Ruthann, who went with me the whole way, every step. Mm. And, and then another friend, Sarah, who trained with me and my son ran his first half marathon to support me in that. But anyway, I had this 11 and a half hour surgery and they took, I have, I have a 12 inch incision from the outside of my right knee to my right outside ankle where they removed a skin paddle, as they call it, as well as muscle, a vein, an artery, and eight inches of my fibula bone. Mm. And they transplanted all of that into the hole that they cut in my head mm. to create a new roof of my mouth. And I have I had to learn how to walk without a fibula and my friend Sarah who trained for the half marathon with me and has been my long run partner for probably the last three or four years, 
she actually came to my house every Saturday and went as far as I would go, as fast as I could go, from two mm-hmm. weeks after my surgery until the present. And mm-hmm. that kind of dedication and love, I'm going to get choked up here, mm-hmm. from a member of the Mother Runner community is is so meaningful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my big thing as far as being a member of Many Happy Miles is... Mm-hmm. I don't want to let cancer steal my my joy. And Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that running, unbeknownst to me in 2008, when I started Couch to 5K, running is my joy. Mm -hmm. And it's where I can let go of the cares of the world. I can let go of whatever's happening at home and just quiet my mind and focus on whatever I want to focus on. Something, nothing, alone or with someone Always with my dog, Buster. He does mm-hmm. every mile with me. He's mm. he's ten and a half years old, and he's awesome. Mm. Mm. I have a goal, even though I just found out uh, about ten days ago that I have to have another major surgery. Mm. Still trying to fix what's happening in my mouth. I've had wound healing problems. We had problems healing the leg wound where they took the fibula, mm-hmm. and we have had problems with trying to put, they had to take five teeth out when they cut the big hole in my palate to remove the tumor. Mm. And we have struggled to get that wound to close because of the 30 radiation treatments that happened after. Wow. But I have, I have managed to move, whether it's on a stationary bike or walking or run walk. Mm-hmm. I have moved every week since the surgery last June. And this upcoming surgery will be a six-hour surgery where they will, they don't have to take any bone, we're done taking bone, but they (laughs) will take a a piece of tissue and a vein and an artery from my inner left wrist. I'll have a a matching scar from my wrist to elbow, (laughs) and they will hopefully be able to finally close up the wound in my mouth, and then in another six to nine months, I'll get teeth. So... (laughs) Wow. Yeah, uh, but what the goal is right now, that surgery is is April 10th. I am Mm -hmm. up to five miles of running with 50-50 run-walk. Wow. And uh, Sarah and I will be adding a mile every Saturday. We'll be up to 10 miles before the surgery. They know that I run. They know that I want to run the half marathon on June 10th. And... So if I have to walk all of my miles because they don't want me to run for a few weeks, that's what I'll do. If that means I'm out walking for four hours to get a 12 (laughs) or 13 mile session in, then that's what I'll do Mm. because this is the most important thing to me. Mm. I never thought that I'd be 61 years old and defining myself as a runner, Mm -hmm. but I'm a runner because it brings me joy. Mm. That is beautiful, Allison. Thank you for sharing that. It's time for us to take a brief break to hear from the folks who helped bring you the show. We'll continue our conversation with Allison right after this. Stay with us. So, Allison, on a Google form that Sarah put together, you wrote, I lost 45 pounds with surgery and radiation and so need to build back a lot of muscle that was lost on the worst diet ever. Tell us how you are approaching getting some of that muscle back. Well, Many Happy Miles Strength Sessions is a huge, huge part of it. Um, it was actually me struggling to have to do the strength and the runs because I, I was terrible at incorporating strength. And when I joined Many Happy Miles for the first time two and a half years ago, that was one of the, the things that I really grew to love was the that you can do them live or you can do them, you know, after the fact because they're all recorded. But to be, you know, in my office here with my webcam, mm-hmm. either on camera or off camera, and <laughs> having someone going through all the exercises with me and hearing Demony's voice or Brandy's voice or Brenda, all the different people mm-hmm. who lead them, I just loved it. And it's funny because in January 2022, I was like, man, I'm really having a hard time doing these strength things. But it turns out it was the cancer, right? Mm. But yeah, the strength, yoga, flexibility, foam rolling, stretching, 
but because there's the workouts are so adaptable and they are super specific, I, I really haven't felt the need. You know, I have a Peloton app membership, not a machine, just the, mm-hmm. the phone app. And they have some fun core workouts, but I really find that what I get through many happy miles has given me everything that I need mm. to get better. Mm. You know, so I'm not, no one paid me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it has just made such a tremendous difference. Mm. Wow. So, so I need to go back to the eight inches of your right fibula being taken out. And, and as you have mentioned, it's in the fibulas in the lower leg. And um, I mean, how does one return to running uh, walking even after having it be taken out? Well, it, so it really interesting, great question. Um, when I, I actually talked to five different surgical teams hmm. from one of the country to the other about the surgery, because this is, it was a big deal. And <laughs> I wanted to be very comfortable with what was going to happen and what my recovery was going to look like. And Amazingly enough, everyone had said, you know, we'll do the fibula flap, as they call it, and then you'll be in a boot for, you know, four to six weeks, and then we'll do physical therapy. And amazingly enough, my local cancer center, the Huntsman Cancer Center in Salt Lake City, they said, oh, well, we don't put you in a boot. We actually have a protocol to get you up work on your feet and walking with a walker the day after surgery. Mm. And I was like, get the heck out of here. (laughs) <laughs> so, and, and I really, I, I love the team. You know, it was, it, it, that wasn't the only thing, but knowing that they actually, their physical therapists had tested this out and come up with a protocol of physical therapy to get you back on your feet, uh, was very attractive to someone who is a runner. And my surgeon has, I haven't been able to connect with this person, but there's another woman who has had the same surgery, who is an ultra runner. So, yeah, apparently only 15% of your body weight is borne by the fibula bone and that the other 85% is borne by the tibia, which I still have. And Mm. so it's a combination of physical therapy and just getting out there and and moving. I still, you know, yesterday I was planned a three-mile 50-50 run, two minutes on, two minutes off, run, walk, and I just had my lower leg was really feeling achy. And so I have to listen to Mm -hmm. my body a lot, but I'm also pushing on the strength side. So you just have to be able to adapt, but at the same time, not make excuses and and always have forward motion. Mm -hmm. So you shared the uh, fitness goal with me that you seem to formulate with your family at the start of the year. It was 800 miles and 100 strength sessions. So how are those numbers tallying up so far? <laughs> I would say that I'm at about 50% on the strength sessions, but that is advancing. Mm-hmm. I, I had another surgery about a month ago, and mm. that was a lesser surgery trying to close the wound, and mm-hmm. that I wasn't allowed to do anything for two weeks. So mm-hmm. that put a little bit of a hole in it. Yeah. Um, last week was the first week that I've covered 10 miles in a week. Wow. And this week I hope to be around 12 to 13. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the back half of the year is going to get a little bit busy, but also <laughs> lengthening out the, the long runs on the weekends also is going to help a lot. Are your surgeons just in awe of you? You know, they kind of tell me that. When they kind of, yeah, I'd say they probably have a poster well, of you, you know. You know, they just, when when I was in the hospital and even after when, you know, this was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. They might have undersold how hard it was going to be just a tiny bit. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at like preparing myself. But mm-hmm. they would say, you know, you're in our top 10% of people. And I'm lying there feeling like absolute hell going if this is what the top 10% feels like, I'd hate to know what the bottom 10% Mm -hmm. feels like. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just, I don't feel like I have a choice, Mm -hmm. but I choose, I choose joy and I choose to keep moving Mm -hmm. and I choose to keep adapting whatever I have to do because again, I'm not going to let this steal my joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I just love that. So a half marathon, I mean, that's in June. (laughs) That's not all that far away from now. You know, just so you're going to be adding a week 
or sorry, a mile each week to your long run. I mean, mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about what else is going to be involved in that. So, in addition to adding the mileage, having my full complement of actually doing three strength workouts a week instead of just one or two, okay, I think is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm already th- I'm seeing that additional strength is helping my stamina and my ability to run more. I do not really have a time goal. I ran it in 245 last year because, Mm -hmm. ironically, my right leg, uh, I was rehabbing an Achilles injury. So Mm -hmm. it was not one of my zippier outings. But, you know, a perfect world would be I'd run it in 245 or faster. But honestly, if I can just cover the 13.1 and be standing at the end, I will consider that Mm -hmm. to be a huge, huge win. And if I have to Mm -hmm. DNF, I have to DNF. Anything that mm-hmm. I do is more than what I did yesterday is the mm-hmm. way I'm looking at it. Mm. And I can't lie, both last year and this year, it's the same race. It's my favorite race. It's my PR race where I ran 157 uh, mm. 10 years ago. But it's the drop 13 where you run about 3,700 feet down a canyon, mm. big Cottonwood Canyon here in Salt Lake County. So yeah. the fact that it's downhill definitely... You know, whenever you feel a little bit laggy, you're like, oh, around that next curve in the road <laughs> is another <laughs> long downhill. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just hope that you stand back and realize not only what you've been through in the last year, but that, you know, that you told us that it took you close to, what was it, a year to build up to running a 5K. Yeah. Well, and, and let's also remember, I'm actually carrying, well, it's actually it's more like 50 pounds now, less. Mm-hmm. I was always what one would call a sturdy runner, <laughs> but, and the calculus is actually a little bit different with less weight. Different things hurt mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's changed my gait. It's changed my balance. Oh, a good physical wow. therapist is really important going through all of this stuff. Core work, mm-hmm. I could get away with not doing a ton because I was sturdy, but now core work is hugely important. Hmm. Oh, the January PT move of the month, you know, where we had to smush our lower back into the floor and then do the toe taps. I am still (laughs) doing that almost every day because it makes such a huge difference in in engaging my core and in realigning things. In this, (laughs) my body is completely different. I haven't weighed this little since I was 19 kind of situation. Mm. Wow. Wow. And you feel all those differences are due to the weight loss, to not to the anything to do with the surgeries or anything like that. You know, I, I felt like it was related to the, you know, the donor part of my leg surgery. But I mm-hmm. had a recent video session with the physical therapist on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, other than the fact that your right glute and hamstring are a little bit weak and you're not pulling through, as much, mm-hmm. which would be connected to the surgery. They mm-hmm. said, we understand that you feel different, that everything feels different to you because it is different. But mm-hmm. running-wise, you really don't look that different from when we did your gait analysis three years ago. And that wow. was just a huge wow for me that yeah. it feels so different. And and psychologically, I think that that's a boost. It's like mm-hmm. someone who understands biomechanics is telling me, that I really haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that my body is telling me aren't really true. And so it mm-hmm. gives me more confidence to increase my running intervals and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. And isn't it wonderful that you have that data to draw on, that, the, that they looked at you three years beforehand? Exactly. And- exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Allison. So any advice you'd give gals who get a cancer diagnosis? Well, one of the the hardest things about cancer, you know, when my husband was first diagnosed, anytime someone worried about something relatively inconsequential, I'd want to, you know, stand on a chair and scream, but my husband has stage four cancer and I want the world to stop. And mm-hmm. and I think the pandemic has taught all of us that things just keep moving. And mm-hmm. so I would say grieve and have your feelings and have mm-hmm. a therapist because therapy has been a huge, huge part of this for me. Mm. But just like we all kept going through the pandemic and, you know, my family had to keep functioning. I had to go to work. I had to do laundry and 
-hmm. Everything still has to happen. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing with your own cancer treatments. Be willing to listen to your body, but also there's still going to be laundry to be done. There's still going to be a floor (laughs) that needs to be mopped or dog poop that needs to be cleaned up or whatever. (laughs) And just embrace the fact that, that your life will mourn it, but it's just going to be different. Mm-hmm. and to to do whatever your joy is it might not be running running might be second or third or fourth on the list but mm-hmm. i would absolutely say embrace your joy and if you don't know what it is then maybe mm-hmm. that's something to sit and figure out because i know that it's taken me a while to actually come out and admit yeah you know what running is my joy and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with the fact that i'm not fast and i'm not going to win any races or you know, I'm doing it for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are my thoughts. Mm. So wonderful to talk with you, Allison. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you for inviting me. I really, really, really appreciate the community that you've created mm. and the team that you have. Um, it's It's been very, very meaningful to me since I met you at that Ogden booth. Yes, like I was May just thinking the exact same thing about meeting you there. I should find uh, that photo and send it to you. You should, you <laughs> should. Yeah, thinking about all the times I've seen you when I got to travel to Utah more often. So uh makes me miss you, Allison. Aww, so I miss take you good too. Ca- oh, thanks. Take good care and good luck in that upcoming surgery. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our second guest is Pam Harris, a mom of two school-aged daughters, a longtime brand ambassador for AMR. Pam lives in Decatur, Georgia. She works as a researcher at Slalom, which, fun fact, is the same company that our former podcast producer Alex Ward now works for, Small World. You might know Pam better as Bammer Pammer, as she writes occasionally for our website, first about training for her first marathon, and now about her new athletic obsession, boxing. Pam was diagnosed with thyroid cancer last May. Thanks for joining us, Pam. It's always great to talk with you. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love talking with you guys, too. Hello, Pam. Hey, Liz. Tell us a little bit about your athletic background. Uh, Growing up, my family actually always said that running was like practicing bleeding, and it was not something that was that was ever part of my life. I was always, you know, active, like tried a bunch of sports as a kid. None of them stuck. I always liked walking around and bike riding. And then I was I was a teacher in my late 20s. And my fellow teacher and best friend was like, you know what, we're getting fat, we're going to start running. And she's not the kind of friend you say no to. So <laughs> like, okay, we're going to start running. And then I've discovered that I, I'm really drawn to things that I am not good at naturally when it comes mm. to athletic pursuits. Mm. And so I just, I started really enjoying what it felt like to actually like chase down something and figure out how to be good at something that didn't come naturally. And it mm. very quickly became, had nothing to do with weight loss and just everything about um, how it made me feel to chase down a goal. It's mm. awesome. So take us, take us back to last spring when, when all this went down. So I, been going to an endocrinologist for years because I have some other pituitary dysfunction. And they first found some nodules a few years ago and have been following them, had several biopsies and everything totally came back fine and clean. And then this time it was like, oh no, it's, it's 50% cancer. You have to get mm. your thyroid out. Mm. And so as uh, Coach Liz knows, I sent her and Coach Jenna kind of a Hail Mary email being like, ah, do you have any athletes that have gone through this? Um, Other than uh, Cynthia Vissers, who's one of the other BAM ambassadors, has been through that and has been very helpful. And they were going to take the whole thyroid out. And even though like there were nodules on both sides, the other half will probably have to come out at some point. And then I asked my endocrinologist, okay, well, what does that look like for endurance sports? Like, like, how is that going to make me feel during marathon training? And she's like, oh, that's what you mean by endurance sports? Oh, <laughs> we'll just take half of it out for now and see how that goes. Mm. And then, so what type of, I mean, if you're only running on half a thyroid, I take it you have some synthetic drugs that kind of take over what the other half would have done or no? I was for a while, Mm -hmm. but then the levels kind of leveled out. Mm -hmm. And I, I, although I still, I've been struggling to get my endurance back, even though like on paper, all my thyroid levels are normal. And 
at this point, I, I can't really figure out whether it's physical or mental, and then also mm. whether I care. <laughs> we will get to that, but I hear you. It yes. is. Um, we were talking in the intro about how hard it is to to come back from any yeah. from whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, following up to that, how did you come back to exercising during and and after your treatment? I have been going for about two and a half years to a personal trainer for strength training. Uh, his mm-hmm. name is Nick and I just adore him. He's fabulous. And so after I was allowed to start exercising after the surgery, which the thyroid surgery, it's, it's pretty major surgery. Mm. It takes quite a while and you can start walking pretty quickly, but you know, there's, it takes a couple of weeks before you're allowed to try weights again. And mm. I was kind of nervous to start weightlifting again. And so I told Nick, and I was also feeling a lot of pretty big negative emotions, you know, not knowing what was going to happen and if I was going to have further treatment, how I would feel, how I would recover. Mm-hmm. And Nick also has a background in boxing. So I said, Nick, I don't really feel comfortable lifting weights up yet. Can you teach me how to punch things? <laughs> uh, a little stress release, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I started boxing as catharsis. And quickly, just like running, realized, wow, this is something I am not naturally good at. And it is something that I want to keep doing. So for the first few weeks after surgery, I just started learning some of the very basics of boxing and then gradually started adding back weights in and then started running a little bit. And I had planned on doing a fall marathon and then it was just my body. Once I hit about 10 K, it was like, uh, no. I don't think so. So like, well, I'm just going to find a way to keep moving and challenging myself and found that boxing really scratched that itch for me. Hmm. Nice. Nice. So on your Facebook page, you wrote a few months ago, I find that no matter what is happening in my life, sweating always makes me feel better. So talk to us about how that was true or, or not true in the you know weeks and months after your surgery. Oh, definitely true. I, I can't think of a time when that hasn't been true. I think what it looks like and feels like to sweat may change, right? Like the the day after my surgery, doing a 20 minute walk that probably took me about 20 feet down the road mm-hmm. made me sweat and also made me feel good. Something about moving my body and I, I find this with boxing and it's something that really forces you to be very present in your body and in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I find it very centering. And with running, I I sometimes have to work a little bit harder to get there because I think maybe it's I've been doing it so long I have a lot of expectations built in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, this this is what this is the kind of pace or the kind of distance that sweating and running is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think whatever way I find to sweat that I can just really be within my body and be moving my body hard enough that I'm going to sweat. It's always going to make me feel better. Did you really walk 20 minutes the day after your surgery? The surgeon said to. Oh, wow. Okay. He he, he said the day after to start, he said my goal should be to walk like 20 minutes, three times a day. Wow. And I had some friends who had come and joined me for them. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Wow. So Pam, you also wrote that the boxing ring is your happy place. And, you know, when I think of a boxing ring, I don't think of happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm just picturing, you know, bullets of sweat just flying and teeth getting knocked out. So how is something like a boxing ring? How has that become your happy place? Uh, so usually about any time from two to four times a week, I go to a noon boxing class. It's me, usually a bunch of men. And when you get in the ring in a boxing class, and I think this is fairly typical, at least in the old school boxing gym, there's usually the, the trainer in the center and he either has like a pair of like some pads attached to his hands or um, this is going to sound really funny, but pool noodles, like mm. <laughs> cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> and the trainer will go through a, what's called a combination um, but I always kind of thought of it at first as choreography. 
which is mm. basically a, a combination of uh, like punches and defensive moves. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, there's a rhythm to it. There's the choreography to it. And so you learn that. And then there's everybody else is uh, around the perimeter of the ring while the trainer and one boxer are in the middle going through the, the movements and you're punching at either the pads or the pool noodles which actually really make a nice satisfying smacking noise when you hit it well with (laughs) with your gloves. (laughs) And so people are, you know, shuffling around the ring um, and everybody is really super encouraging. And it's great because you really have to be super, super present in the moment. You have to turn your brain off and so that you're just responding to whatever it is that you're seeing, like the cues that you're seeing, the, the pool noodles or pads doing hmm. all right pool noodles and a new way of using them <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so pam at the start of the year you told me i'm shifting from a runner who cross trains to a well-rounded athlete who doesn't know how to back down from a challenge so i've been long intrigued by how we self-identify as athletes so talk more about how your mindset perhaps has evolved yeah so i i never like I said, I I tried out a few different sports as a kid, but it never stuck. Mm-hmm. And then when I first started running, that was the only, I think, really like dedicated athletic, intentional athletic activity I was doing. And it took me a really long time to run a mile without stopping mm-hmm. and then to, to get up to two. And I feel like by the time I could run two miles, I felt like I could ident- self-identify as a runner. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, like athlete felt much farther removed. Maybe that's because I am very much an adult onset athlete. (laughs) And so I think it wasn't until I started like running regularly and training for things and like, I guess making additional lifestyle changes, whether it was like making sure I got enough sleep or eating the right foods or adding in strength training. But at some point I realized, Oh yeah, I I guess I am an athlete. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And and then I think I started the last couple of years, I've really started just recognizing that I don't need to have a training plan to get out there and challenge myself. Not that I don't enjoy having one, but like it's not, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a crutch, but I think it, I had, was using it as a crutch. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, unless I have this written down, I'm not going to get out there and do something. But now I'm like, oh, I, I really enjoy doing something to, to do something, to sweat, to feel good, to challenge myself physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you've talked a lot about how challenging yourself and you're, that you're drawn to do things that you're not naturally good at. So was there a part of you that thought, okay, this this cancer thing, I'm going to see that as a challenge. I'm going to, you know, I've never had to deal with this. I've never had to try to fight back against something like this. Did you say, okay, th- th- I'm going to take that kind of pugnacious side of myself and use it for good? Yeah, Absolutely. I had a sports psychologist tell me once that there's no difference between dealing with problems in sports and dealing with problems in real life. Mm. You're, you're using the same toolkit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah, so I, I think that everything that I've developed from athletics, I've been able to use in my actual life, including the cancer diagnosis, right? It's like a relentless forward motion. I'm going to to do all the things, face this head on and know, know that like sometimes are going to suck mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Pam, on Instagram, you wrote, I've found deep joy and satisfaction in discovering new ways to move my body while simultaneously building community. And I know you've been a part of many of the smaller communities of AMR. So can you elaborate on how community has added to your athletic joy and satisfaction you know, whether it's in the past or currently? So when I, when I first started, when I, when I moved to Atlanta, I had gotten out of the habit of running regularly. And what brought me back was seeing a a Decatur moms run this town group. And it was just a, a group of moms around my age in my neighborhood who were running together. And I found so many deep friendships there and it was also simultaneously encouraging me to get out there and move as part of the community. 
And then I discovered the mother runner community and, you know, I mean, I have friends all over the world from there. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think it's actually kind of like the idea of there's no difference between dealing with problems in athletics and dealing with problems in actual life. I think it's the same way with community. You know, we really lean on one another and we learn from one another. When I joined the boxing gym, I was not expecting to find community there. Mm. You know, I mean, but it's such a diverse environment in terms of like socioeconomics, race, background, jobs. And there's such a richness to the community there. And, you know, everybody is there cheering one another on. And even like if you're sparring with somebody, the very first thing that you do is you like fist bump, (laughs) you know, and kind of look one another in the eye. And it's like, Hey, this is something that we're doing in order to make both of us better boxers and better humans. You know, so there's that real collegial aspect of it. And I think just knowing that there are other people beside you and behind you and in front of you, I think that always really just makes me feel like a, I don't know, like I'm always getting a a warm hug and being lifted up by the people around me. Hmm. That's nice. That's really nice. And, And what do you feel you take from the boxing ring out onto the road when you're running or what you take from running and put it to good use in the ring. Yeah, it's funny. So there's the the physical things and the mental things. Physically, I'm actually significantly better at lifting and running since I started boxing because you're really using like at the end of every boxing workout there's like an old school abs workout, you know, you're doing like bicycles and, you know, those kind of crunches we call hagglers and all sorts of different kind of moves. And then when you're actually boxing, you have to like really put all those together in a very real way. It's kind of like swimming. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. your, your body's like naturally using muscle groups together. Mm -hmm. And so I've really seen that have a big impact on my running and my lifting. And then in boxing, everything is so like a, a round in boxing lasts three minutes and then there's a 30 minute rest period. And so it's like, I've been able to use that kind of mentally. Like when I first started getting back to running, I'm like, okay, well, if I can throw punches for three minutes, I can run for three minutes. And then it's like, if I can do this really hard, challenging thing in boxing, then I can do it out on the road and I can do it in real life. Um, And I've found it's definitely a very, very reciprocal relationship. Nice. Nice. So I hear you recently, very recently, uh, kicked your GPS to the curb. So, so talk us through that decision and, and if it's brought you any, any great joy. Oh, it has brought me so much joy. Like I said, I've been having trouble finding my endurance again. And I, and I, I don't know how much of it's physical. I don't know how much of it's mental. And again, I don't, I don't know that it really matters at this point. Mm-hmm. And I've also like you said, I have two elementary age kids and they're both in new schools. It's like, Mm. I have had a cold more of the school year than I haven't. (laughs) So it's like every time I'm getting back on my feet, it's like, Oh no, no, you, you have a cold and you can't breathe and you can't actually. I mean, I definitely struggled with having a watch in the past. Um, you know, as coach Liz to attest, I let it screw up a, a big 5k that I'd worked really hard for last year. You know, I made the mistake of looking down at my watch mid race, which I don't usually do. And so I've, I've gotten largely in the habit of not looking at my watch until after. Mm-hmm. And then I was realizing that like, I'd feel really good on a run. And then afterwards I'd upload it, you know, into Garmin or Strava and then look at it and be like, Oh, well that's, that's not what it felt like I was running. And then I was like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> like, why are you ruining this? You know, maybe, you know, like, If something is causing you harm, you should get rid of it. (laughs) I I haven't actually gotten rid of it. It's a very expensive piece of workout gear that I anticipate using again in the future. Yes. (laughs) Right. But like, yeah, so just every run that I've been on in the last week since I ditched it, it's like, hey, I'm feeling really good. And guess what? Nothing is going to show me that it it didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know I've been running in my neighborhood for so long. Like, I don't need it to tell me like how long I've run or... If I want to run for five miles, that's, that's easy enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pam, thank you so much for sharing your journey. For someone who, who might be going through what you've gone through, 
uh, which which you've you've minimized a bit, and you know it's still really significant. Um, what advice would you offer to them? I would say find a way to move and to move forward that brings you joy where you are at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that I'd be back running marathons, and I haven't been, but mm-hmm. I found a way to to get out there, to keep sweating, to challenge myself mentally and physically. And it feels really good to do that. You know, it's, I guess, really just get rid of your expectations of what you think is going to look good and feel good mm-hmm. and just start, just start doing it and start experimenting. Don't be afraid to try something new. That's great advice. I like it. I like it. All right, Pam. Well, we will see you on the Facebook page and, and you know, at uh, some future retreats. So <laughs> thanks for sharing with us. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, well, talking to the two of them, I mean, it just goes to show that each person's cancer journey is unique to themselves, to the type of cancer they had. But but yet I think they each had advice that could be taken away and put in people's pockets in case they need to take it out and, and use it if that, if that ends up being, you know, a speed bump in their life. So I'm really pleased they shared with us. So, all right. Well, as I mentioned with Pam, she has been to a number of our retreats, which says to me they're really fun and positive experiences. So uh, please join us for one of our retreats this year, either Redmond, Oregon, June 9th to 12th, or Hilton Head Island, November 3rd through 6th. They start off Friday, end on a Monday, sessions with experts and runs and great meals and yoga, sometimes Pilates. It is just a great way to also connect with people that you might know from our community online, but to meet them in person. And they are definitely lifelong friendships have been made on our retreats and and do continually. And we have a firm which allows you to make the registration payment in segments, a payment plan. So head on over to anothermotherrunner.com and click on events and keeps all the details there. And that's where you can register again, anothermotherrunner.com. Click on the events tab. Our podcast day was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. I'm sorry. Hang on. Hang on. I'm just, I'm, I'm like mixed up in the questions. So Pam, I apologize. I, I read you a question from the last guest. Listen, it's, it's just been, can I tell you that there's been 12 pounds of rice dumped on my floor in the past 24 hours. And that's what my brain feels like too. No. So Sarah, what do you want? You're going to be finding those for like months. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Sarah, what, what yeah. the, and, and Barry's mute right now. He can't even talk to us. Um, what do you want me to ask her, Sarah? <laughs> I would say, no, I think. <laughs> always the consummate professional, that Liz. Um, 